What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views, and expert opinion, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd randy guest. Get the latest insights and experts' advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Pat Stewart, imitating Glenn Cook, who imitated Jazz Whiting, who blatantly ripped off Lofty Fulton. It's the canine paradigm It's pretty obvious It's about dogs most of the time But we talk about other stuff We're always here to chat For example Our dolphin molested pats Canine paradigm What a wondrous show Heighten your arousal And lose all impulse control Plus it's got this awesome intro Which is nearly done So just sit back, relax Canine paradigm's begun Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my regular co-host, Glenn Cook. Hi. And <laughs> jumped in hard on that one. And we're very lucky today to have back for her third appearance, Miss Bertie Oshidi. Hello, guys. Hi, Thanks Bertie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back again. My pleasure. So the resident, resident psychologist. She's back. Mm. So what are you doing here? Well, you tell me. I just got an email saying, let's talk about big egos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, let's talk about how have you been? What's going on with you before we jump into it? It's been a while since you were on. You were on in the early days. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm, I'm just having a bit of um, a cruisy year. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just working on other workshops for next year and I'm, I'm realized I want to take my time and just, you know, take it easy. Mm-hmm. Life's a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. So I'm just working on nice things and, you know, just really enjoying the community at the moment. Like I'm meeting a lot of people, like I'm interviewing a lot of people about their stories with their dog and mm-hmm. just really connecting with people and just celebrating our awesome community that, that we have here. That's so cool. That's Reading any good books lately? Oh, so many. I'm crashing hard on Leo Tolstoy, as most of you know. I, know, I see I that see, on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's such an interesting, weird, well, really funky character. So yeah, right. I really like him. Yeah, he's very inspirational, but also really is this a, honest. Is this in a sweaty way or is it just in an intellectual way? Both. Ooh. Good combo. Okay. So he, no, he's really, he has a lot of pearls of wisdom, but he has a really interesting life and he was a big revolutionary for his time and age when he lived in Russia. Mm-hmm. So that's what's, what I'm reading. What's the most famous title? Oh, he has War and Peace, Anna Karenina, mm-hmm. um, but he also has a lot of quotes and poets and he, you know, talking talks about power a lot and how to have peaceful resistance and how to check your ego. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Russians, if you have Instagram and you're not following a page called Look at This Russian, <laughs> <laughs> you are not living. I am living. <laughs> what, you, whatever you're doing right now. Yeah, Pause this Pat's podcast. Next, get latest on favorite. Get onto Instagram right now and type in at look at this Russian. You will thank me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is the best. The yeah, best. Instagram it's just random of pictures of people in Russia. <laughs> I, I, I think I know the page. It's yeah. like uh, it's like the Americans' version of looking at Walmart. 
yeah. like people that go into Walmart, all these weird the and best. wonderful, colourful people that do that. But yeah, it's the same for... It's the best. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait to move to Russia. <laughs> you would fit in really well. Like, you know, got your guns, got your, got everything, yeah. your freedom, your dogs. Like, yeah, what else do you need? Vodka, bacon. W- packs of vodka. Wolves roaming around. One more vodka. Oh, God. Just the thought of that passage alone makes me feel sick. One more vodka? One more vodka, or one more small vodka. Because as you know, last year, it was actually literally this time last year, I went over for one of the guys I rode with, Dave, uh, French Dave, or as I call him, the baguette, went over for his wedding and his father-in-law, fantastic guy. But at the wedding, all I heard him say was every time he'd walk past him, which I tried to avoid, but he was he was so close to the toilets that you couldn't get to the toilet without going past him. And he'd go, Glenn, come, come, one more small vodka. And I had so many one more small vodkas that I think I drank two bottles of vodka. And uh, How many times did you go to the toilet? That's worse well, than that's me. Because, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was having one more small he vodka was all the time. Out. It was, it was like... Yeah. <laughs> Look, to be honest, it ended badly. So, yeah, I mm. bet. That's the point. That's They're the Polish, point. right? That was Polish, yeah. yeah. Great wedding, really good. Yeah, great fun time. So, Bertie... The workshops, any on the horizon or they're, you're planning them for next year? I'm planning them for next year. I'm, so I'm just sussing out what people want because I'm trying to offer various workshops. One is for dog trainers and I want to have a two-day workshop, not a one-day workshop. Mm-hmm. And the other ones are about different topics. Um, like hopefully Narelle and I are going to create a love child again. Mm-hmm. So that would be really exciting. And the other one will be about burnout prevention and compassion fatigue. Yeah. But I, I'm not saying it's... I'm not going to give a definite answer because it's all in the happening at the moment. And I realized that perfectionist that I am, I only want to do it when I feel like it's a good product, not just for the sake of giving a workshop. Yeah. I think that burnout prevention one is an awesome idea. We talked about it a few times on the podcast and I've gotten heaps of feedback about that. Like loads of people actually it was one of the ones Larry Crone made that video about mm. and I've had numerous messages before that since then people saying oh like something we said about that really resonated with them and now they're going away for a while and they're or they're going back to the core of what they actually enjoy in the industry yeah. or whatever. no it's the most demanded topic like every time when i'm here in Dural, people are like hey Bertie, we really want to hear more about how do we stay resilient in our industry what can we do and people are like can you come to western australia can you come to adelaide you know like there's a huge demand there and it covers so many areas and i've had a compassion fatigue workshop in adelaide last year with Scott McGuinness mm-hmm. at uh, Canine Connect Crew. And it was amazing. And, yeah, so I think it will be on the horizon. It's just I do have a full-time job in the clinic. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I'm already working 40 hours a week. So yeah, well, it's, yeah. Like, time. it's like sports injury really, isn't it? If you have an injury at sport, any sport that you play, if you injure yourself, you can't keep working on that injury. Otherwise, it just makes it bad. It creates more inflammation. The chances are that the injury will get worse over time. I don't think people realize that with your mental stress, that the more you keep playing on it without addressing the issue, the more it's actually going to impact you over time. And that's why I had to walk away with it. And other people have had to, too, because it doesn't enhance your relationship with your dog or the people that you're working with or around. It actually creates more of a problem. And you're not acute to it at the time until you actually have a major blow up. Mm. And that's the that's the thing is that a lot of people just need to sometimes go, you know what, today I just – I don't feel like getting out of bed today. I think I might just stay and watch Netflix. Mm. Yeah. And look, those, um coming back to the topic, I think it's also really 
has a lot to do with the big egos in the, in the industry because they can really Oh, good tie-in. Good tie-in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because it really depends how you're being nurtured by your community and by your surrounding system. So I think big egos have a massive impact on our well-being, especially if our surroundings are driven by big egos. Mm-hmm. And it might be really interesting to have a look at what is actually an ego. How do we define yeah. it? Yeah. Well, let's go back to the start. So a while ago, there was a catalyst, wasn't there? Something happened. Someone did something and me and Glenn were just like, how is the ego on that dude, right? I can't even remember specifically which, which, what which it was. Time? Yeah, that's right. But no, but there was, a, there was something that was just off the charts. I can't remember what it was. I do. Do you? I do. No, let's not say it out loud. <laughs> Can I just say how proud I am of my psychology skills and I'm not even part of this story and I know your story? (laughs) Well, I can't remember if it was... So something happened um, and we're like, just can't believe it. And both of us were struggling to wrap our head around just understanding what had happened, let alone uh, reconciling it. And so we sent you an email and said, hey, Bertie, come and talk to us about ego. Where's it come from? Why is it there? Help us understand it. So that's what you're here for. And you messaged us the other day and said, hey... I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, it took me a while to get my head around it. So be kind with me because this is not something that I do on a daily basis. So I had to read quite a bit about it and Mm -hmm. also find a purpose to it so we can work with it. Mm -hmm. It might be really interesting to know that psychologists have a different understanding of ego than average Joe on the street. Mm -hmm. So as psychologists, we don't think of the ego as, you know, you think highly of yourself. Like there's quite a lot of theories around there. And I have to bring up Freud here because if you would have lived at his time and age, you would have loved him because he was quite, in Glenn's terms, a randy and sweaty psychologist. <laughs> so he has to make a really brief appearance. So Sigmund. He, what, a, Sigmund. what a cool name, Sigmund. Yeah, I lived in his neighborhood in Vienna. We were neighbors in his deceased estate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was a very interesting character. And he defined, was one of the people defining the term ego and for him, it's the ego is part of a tripartite model. So the model has three parts, and they, that model exists exists of instincts called it, the ego, that's the reality, and the superego, which represents your morals. And according to his the, his theory, the ego has the job to is like an apparatus to modify the demands from the morals but then also to your instincts, like it's kind of like that barrier and that negotiation part Mm -hmm. where you find the balance. So that's how he defined it. Today in psychology, there's so many theories out there about ego and I haven't trained in any of them. So I'm sorry if any psychologist listens, please send me an email, educate me. No, no, shoot from the hip. That's what we do every every time. (laughs) But basically we look at the ego as a self-conscious system. Okay. But that's not what the average person refers to when they say someone has a big ego. So... I'll try to find an author that has a really beautiful way of looking at it, that it makes sense. And one of the biggest authors that I liked was Eckhart Tolle. Have you, do you guys know him? No. He, he's kind of like a philosopher, spiritual leader from the 90s. I've heard of Eckhart yeah. Tolle, yeah. Yeah, he's, yep. he's about mindfulness, being in the mm. present moment and keep your ego in check. Yeah, he's got some fantastic quotes. Yeah, he's, mm. he's amazing. He's, he, one of his biggest books was New Earth, so I highly recommend reading. How do you books. pronounce his last name? Is it Tolle or Tolle? Well, I would say Tolle because he's from German background. Mm. So I would say, but I can put some links up. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm not sure how to pronounce his, back, his surname. Was it just T-O-L-L-E? T-O, yeah. Yeah. Tolle. So he has a beautiful way of explaining the ego. And I think that's really important that we keep that in mind if we are 
either checking in with our own ego or seeing someone with a big ego. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that normally we think of ego as, you know, someone who's really vain or has a lot of pride or, or is just really attracted to the bigger, better things. But technically the ego has a function. And the function of the ego is like being an armor. It's like a shell. And the biggest point of having an ego is that it separates you from the outside world. Mm-hmm. So it really enhances that otherness of others. And the ego is shaped by what you have been told or what you have experienced in life. So it can come out from none of your needs have been met as a kid. Like you never counted. No one was there for you. Or total opposite. You got everything. Like, you know, like people were always accommodating. You were always told that you're special. So it has a lot of, you can have a big ego for various reasons. And it's really, really important to acknowledge that an ego has like a a sliding scale, you Mm -hmm. know, like all of us have an ego. Like I have quite a big ego when it comes to psychology. Like I'm going to strive for it. I'm proud about my work, but I'm not to the point that I heard others, I hope. Otherwise, please people tell me. Mm But it's having an ego is quite normal, but we have to acknowledge that sometimes we overcompensate for something or sometimes we are too ego driven. Mm-hmm. And so before we go ahead, so would you say like normal and necessary, like everybody has some level of ego, like as you say, it's yeah, a scale it's, and it doesn't go to zero. There's That would be my understanding. And I think what's really important with the ego is that, you know, Lao Tse says, it's so easy to master other people's strength. But to master your own strength and ego is so much harder. Mm-hmm. So it's so much easier to point the finger at someone who has a big ego, but we all have it. So we also have to really understand that if you look at an ego as an armor that emphasizes the otherness in people, it creates a separation or a protection barrier. Mm-hmm. It helps us to stay compassionate, which you will need towards yourself and others. So the thicker the armor, the less connection yes, between exactly. you and the... Yeah. The people that you want to be connected with. Exactly. Mm. And there's a really interesting point there. And it's a bit of a tension, but I thought it was really interesting because at any seminar or a lot of workshops, we, we quite often bring biology into this. And I know the dog community is a big fan of Robert Sapolsky, mm-hmm. the dopamine guy, you know. Mm. Um, so he's also really famous for talking about oxytocin, the love hormone. And most people know that oxytocin is renowned for creating that beautiful bond between a mother and a child or between you and your partner or between you and your friends and your community. But Robert Sapolsky, um, who's a neuroendocrinologist, if you haven't heard of him, Google him. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing looking man too with, a <laughs> with, with an a, epic beard that probably smells beard. like... <laughs> smells like the summertime. <laughs> Or- I'm not going to comment on that one. <laughs> I'm going to go back. But his brain, I would fall in love with his brain every day. And he challenged people because oxytocin was in the media so many times about, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's this love-creating bonding molecule, you know. It was very big in couple therapy, in, in any therapy, essentially. But then he said it has a really dark side. Mm-hmm. And the dark side of activating the oxytocin or getting this big kick is – you're not just getting those fuzzy feelings with that person. You're also causing separation with others. Like you have, again, this this is us with whoever you have this oxytocin fit. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it really emphasizes that the other separation. separation. Exactly. Mm. So that's like a, a tribalism sort of thing. Or obsession. Yeah, it's an obsession. And it, it creates a... I can't think of anything else but this and nothing else really matters right now except for this thing that I'm focused and obsessed by. Yeah. and That's my... 
version of it, I guess. Yeah, it's my version too. Like, you know, I, I didn't read a paper about this. It's just what I took from it. But also what you're doing, you, you seek out people you already have a lot in common with. So, for example, a big ego gets sustained if you surround yourself with the same type of people because they are within your armor. You know, they you let them behind your armor or they they suit you. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that actually leads to quite a few biases. And one of the biases that you could have could be that you're egocentric. That means that you rely way too much on your own perspective. You become a bit blind towards your actions and you have a much higher opinion of yourself than you actually are worthy for, like in reality. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a self-serving bias. So if you have ego scale acquired high scores, it means that when you're successful, you attribute it to your own quality, to your own abilities and efforts. But when you fail, you you attribute it to external factors, mm-hmm. and that makes you essentially quite detached from reality and with other people like you don't have that this is not nurturing for any form of connection or or growth because if we talk about dog teachers mentors you know coaches or role models as soon as we are ego driven in the too high we make so many mistakes in teaching people because we we're not neutral in the way we approach it and instead of honoring our skill and our methods we let people adore us and that's not how you embrace nurture and teachings and growing, letting people grow and do their own thing and how you instill hope in them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Does that make sense? It does, a lot. Yeah. And I'm thinking of a few specifics. So I guess that, that that's an interesting one. We want people to adore us rather than achieve well. Like yeah. it, You see that sometimes where there's a click and they're not really particularly doing anything particularly great, um, but adoring the guy that's teaching them the thing and so he's achieved his aim right is not necessarily yeah. to get them doing anything uh exceptional or even impressive but they all love him therefore his ego is is served or her it, it, or her it depends because some people <laughs> could be not even being aware of that but i think what's interesting from an outsider because you know like i'm still in a psychologist we are so trained to remind people constantly that when we make them feel good, which is the purpose of some sessions in therapy, that they know it's not me that I'm doing it. This is the method. This is the teaching. And you can do that too. Mm-hmm. So my job is to ignite that flame of hunger and thirst to learn that. And you know, when you when you have the ability after to make someone or someone's dog feel better, of course people show you affection because you changed your life. But it wasn't you that changed your life. It was the teachings, the methods, the techniques, the tools you used. And if you would be applying ego-driven tools to yourself, you would go like, yeah, I did that. No, you didn't. You have probably been taught by lots and lots of people. Mm. You maybe look confident to bring it across as if it's your own stuff. But none of the big people created their own work. We all have been touched by the people. Yeah, it's the culmination of other people's research and material that has been collectively given to us in books and videos and mm. seminars and so forth that we've taken on board to create our own version of it. I mean, the good thing about it is that we can create a digestible version of it where it makes more sense. Because I've said this before where my ego has been hurt, where I've explained something to somebody and I've said it exactly how it should be said. And if they followed the instruction that I gave them, they would go away and they would achieve something of quite a high standard. Yet they've heard it from somebody else who for some reason has said it differently 
or because they have an attraction to that person or something. I know I've said this before, but I've looked at it and I thought, the fuck? I just told you that. Like, I literally told you that word for word. They've literally said the same thing I've done. They've studied from the same manual. But for some reason, they've taken what they've said and applied it and got results to it where they didn't necessarily take exactly the same information that I've said and applied it and got the results. But for me, that's like in the past, that kind of hurt my feelings. I look at it and go, why did that happen? But now I realize, well, it doesn't really matter if that happens. What matters is that you've found the message that you've been searching for, because it's happened to me too as well, where people have said things to me and all of a sudden it just clicked in my brain. But what I now realize is it's not just the person that I was listening to right then. It again, talking about cognitive effects, it's everybody who spoke to me about it. It's just finally my brain caught up with it enough to say, now I got it. Now I understand Mm. that. And it took me a little bit of time and maturity to actually get that myself. It's so common, like I said, so often in therapy that if if you're passionate about your work, you're also really involved. And, and, you know, like I'm I'm driven by results in therapy. Like I I tell my clients very often that I'm like, I'm willing – to go quite five if the results are going to be good. Like I'm not, um, of course we all need money and we all need to survive and have a good life. Like I'm not dissing people who have a good income, but I'm driven by results. Mm. So therefore I sometimes, you know, get caught up in my own ego and kind of like, we like, why couldn't I do that? And what we have to be careful about is that you can get self-worth or self-esteem or how you feel good in two ways sometimes. One is that you externally attribute things or you internally attribute it. So if you put your well-being and how you feel towards how that that person make me feel, you're much more vulnerable. But if I go like, hey, I tried, I'm happy with how I approach this. Like I look internally with what can I do? Because we can't control others. We can only control our own actions. Like it's so much harder to really detach from yourself and just look at your own values and how you do it. And if you go like, you know what, I did my best. I can look back. I maybe take one or two lessons out of it, but deep down I'm okay with how I handled it. Then you should be proud of yourself because that's the goal of this game because we can't control others. And that's what the you can ego influence sometimes them, though. Yeah, you can. But to, when we talk back to the big ego, the big ego would do then everything to get this result. Mm. But then you get, you know, then you, know, then you grow the ego. But in, essentially... We have to go into interactions with other people where we show them respect and go like, you are you, I am me. You have your journey, I have my journey. Your journey will be different from my journey. What I say, what worked for me might be different to you. Yeah. So it's it's like literally taking also that weight off your shoulders that you have to make that change all the time or that you have to inspire them. In therapy, we are always told that we are just a vessel. We just share the space with you and we share our knowledge, but you do you. I do me. Hopefully, you know, through that comes change and it's healthy change. But if, you know, we're aiming it for how do we feed a big ego and how do we not? Actually, mm. I've got to find this good quote that I just saw on one of my mate's Facebook pages. You know, Sammy, while you're looking for that, Sammy, I'll just talk about, you know, we're hanging out with Forrest the other week and talking about attributing others and not saying like, this is mine and special. Something I really appreciated Forrest and I noticed the first time I ever saw him at a seminar and I, I have tried to do it. And I realized I don't do it anywhere near as good as he does is Forrest. Every time he 
tells you something, he tells you where he got it from. Mm, I noticed that too. He was really good at that and yeah. he was really accurate. Yeah, and he's a um, he's a generalist, right? Like, I mean, he's I would say, I, mean, I can't speak for him, but he's a specialist in healing. He loves to teach that and he's exceptional at teaching it, but he's very good in everything dog. And so he's a generalist. He has a lot of knowledge going around there and I, you can be wide or deep, right? And so I think he's extremely wide in, in most of dogs and deep in a few small sections. So what he does, and I I wish I was better at this because I, I thought I was good until I saw him doing it again, is every bit of information tells you where he got it from so that if that is what you want to specialize in. people with Yeah, their- but more than credits them. Like just not like, oh, this is a, you know, like I often would just go, this is a Bart trick, right? And I'd do it, right? But it's like he goes like, this is from whoever. It's in this book. He even quoted one of the fucking page numbers of a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and he's such an expert because that's, you know, if you are a teacher, your main job is to ignite thirst in the student, but mm. you they have to do their own thing. You can't force your knowledge onto them. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. He makes you really curious. Like, you know, people were writing that down and like, oh, yeah, and one day if I need it, I know where to go back to it. And that's a way of giving them self-efficacy that they can control the outcome. Yeah. So anyway, I was just thinking about that. I'm sure you've got your quote ready, but I'm always, if you listen for us, like, I think that's pretty amazing. I'm, I'm trying to steal that from you. So when I credit people, I'll credit you for giving me the idea to credit people. <laughs> Very sweaty. <laughs> so I found that quote. It says, a tourist visitor Sufi, and a Sufi is like a wise person for anybody who doesn't know what one is. He was astonished to see that the Sufi's home was a simple room. The only furniture was a mat and a kerosene lamp. Tourist said, Sufi, where is your furniture? Sufi said, where is yours? Tourist said, mine, but I'm only a visitor here. And the Sufi said, so am I. Is that a roomy quote? I don't know. Sounds like Rumi. I love Rumi. Rumi. Yeah, great philosopher. Mm-hmm. Highly encourage reading him if you want to keep your ego in check. Okay, <laughs> which we do. This is why why we're we're doing all this. While I'm going on that with and since you've brought up the Forest and Josh seminar, I had remarkable feedback from the seminar, like the best I've ever had of all the seminars we've ever had here before. I had people come up to me and message me send me emails. I mean, I've got an abundance of them. Like it's never happened in this quantity before. And people said, Glenn, it was a very friendly environment. And even people commented on my friendliness at the seminar, something that's never been done before. And I realize why. The reason why is because I've always been trying to control everything so dramatically in the past that I've never enjoyed myself being there. And it's resonated in my actions. So people noticed this time that because my staff were doing such a good job, they were on the ball. The, the girls there, Anna, Kana, and Yaren, were beyond helpful. They did everything plus. So they gave me scope to relax. Like every time I'd look around to do something, it was done. And I can't thank them enough for it. I was actually quite emotional about it because I thought I'm exhausted, but I don't need to be and I don't need to worry because the girls are doing it. And that gave me the ability to go around and network with people and chill with them and have a laugh with them. And instead of being so intense... I could actually go and have fun with people and mingle with the crowd more. So we're able to create an environment that I've always been wanting to do. And that was because I let go of my ego. I wasn't trying to be so controlling and so dramatic about things. I actually wanted to, I achieved what I always wanted to do, which was run a seminar, have fun and have people say how much fun they had there. And that came from the book that you and Brent and a few other people have recommended, The 12 Rules of Life, which has got a good bash on this podcast. 
I can't highly praise that book. I'm enough. pretty sure where the reason it's been the number one bestseller for nearly twelve months. <laughs> that and the and the talent code. <laughs> but the, yeah, so Jordan Peterson, you're welcome on the show anytime. Anytime, <laughs> as well as Joe Rogan. <laughs> what no, do we need them for? We've got Birdie sitting here. Oh, no, no, I think, and that's it. In the end, it comes down to we need more people with like-minded things to say because sometimes we resonate better with better with another word or packaging of how they provide us the message mm. that's exactly it like we need variety you know we can have the same message but through different people mm. and that's i think is important and that's essentially the medicine for ego it's community aristotle who you know he's a great great um philosopher and i like him really a lot because he's so famous in his stoicism and his the way he approaches equanimity. Do you guys know what equanimity is? Because it's I only discovered this word this year and I love it. Explain it. Okay, so equanimity comes from the Latin word equanimitas, and it means you have an even mind and an even mind and soul, and it's 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 kind of like a state of psychological stability and composure that no matter what you experience or what you're faced with, it could be pain, could be emotions. You just stay balanced in your mind and in your emotions, like very stoic. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't experience our emotions, but sometimes, you know, when we're talking again about big ego, this is what we need to do. We need to just take a step back because our mind will suggest things like, you know, like um, I sometimes get frustrated when people explain something and I'm like, oh, that was so poorly explained. Like this is such a poorly explained thing. Like, no, just let it go, you know, like stay, stay calm and just don't intervene essentially. Mm -hmm. Do you know who comes to mind when you say that, Bertie? Tyler. Brent Dry. Oh, yes. He's Brent. there. Brent is, he is the classic poster child of that word. Yeah. I often call I like him Switzerland because- Zen master. Yeah. He yeah. just doesn't, Brent doesn't get involved in other people's drama. Like he will discuss it with you but he won't have an opinion on it, which sometimes frustrates people because, like, if you're looking for someone to side with you, Brent is often not that person. <laughs> like, he, and that's, and I'm, not, I'm not saying there's a bad thing about Brent. I'm, I actually admire the guy tremendously for his ability to be able to do that because that's frigging hard. It's so It's hard. really hard. And Brent managed – he's probably the one person that I know who's very consistent like that. Like, he's – I mean, I love the guy. But in non-sexually, of course. But I do love Brent. Debatable. No, I do love him. I really do. He is, he is, um, he is very, very much a, um, an important person in my life. But that guy is unbelievable how he can detach himself from being involved in drama. And Brent is often, you know, like talking about this topic of ego, Brent is often a person that really keeps his ego in check. An amazing job on it. So, well done, bud. Yeah. That kind of reminds me, I'll, I'll have to post this meme because life is best expressed through memes. It, it, I can't remember the exact words of it, but it's two guys like hugging and it says like, even though we're best friends or whatever it is, it's like, doesn't mean I'm going to back you when you're wrong. It means I'll help you get it right. It, oh, yeah. I can't remember the exact mm. words, but it's a good one. Yes. It's along those lines. Like, oh, I'll help you when you make doing stupid things, but I'll help you do the right thing, not just back you to, the, to continue to do the stupid thing. And that's such a beautiful way to look at it. And I think that's so much what's needed. Like, I know that Glenn has read uh, has read Lost Connections by. I haven't Johan, read all of it. I'm halfway through, through it. Have you read it, Pat? No, no. I, Johan Harari or whatever. Johan Harari, yeah, yeah, Lost Connections, and his his book talks about mental health and you know how we can help each other mm. be mentally really resilient and well, 
And the reason why I bring him up here is because he talks a little bit about ego. And he says, we're getting it wrong in society these days. So I have to quote it. I'm going to read it out. Johan says, to cheer people up, we tell them, be you, be yourself. But, you know, actually, thinking of yourself as an individual makes us all depressed. What works is reconnecting with more than yourself. It's with other people. So don't be you, be us. Mm. Can you see how powerful that is? Mm. Because we all stuff up and hopefully we all make mistakes and change, but we need people that help us change and who who are kind and come from a good perspective to give us this environment to go like, hey, I got carried away. Hey, I stuffed up. Let's fix it. Let's be together and work on it. So here's, here's a, a bit of a quandary right then, because we talk about how community is the most important thing. Right. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. No, and I agree with that. I think that like friendships and relationships is the most important thing. I think in, in all of these, not that I'm a big literature guy or to quote the literature, but I think in lots of things, especially when you talk about money and happiness and it, money is only a contributor to happiness until you don't have to worry where your next meal's coming from. After that, it's just relationships and friendships. So you imagine one of these cliques of people that we can all think of, say in dog world, that it's just like... Ego, driven around one person's ego, is it that unhealthy if they've created a, a, a happy community? If they're happy, like to play devil's advocate, if they're happy and they're on like a bizarre path where they're, is that bad? No, and I have a choice, I guess, but I'm just saying you can, like you look at the gurus, right? You look at gurus. They usually um, start off from a really interesting, healthy place. But if you surround yourself for decades with that really ego feeding mm. thing, you're usually going to lose the plot. Like mm. the mind has to be really strong to actually be able to cope with that without doing something wrong. Mm. Like there's so many leaders in the world who all started off with a really good, decent, hard and good intentions. And 30, 40 years later, you go like, what happened to you? Yeah, I wonder about that one. You know, they say that like absolute power corrupts absolutely. If you want a good reality check on that on Netflix, there's a very interesting oh, yeah. How much are Netflix called- paying you to constantly... <laughs> Not enough, not enough. But on there, there's a, uh, and I actually got it from Joe Rogan, which is the- Our uh, close personal friend. Our close personal friend, Joe Rogan. I got off the Joe Rogan show and it's called Wild Wild Country. Yeah, it's a great Mm -hmm. episode. It's a great documentary. Yeah, it's about the sect that took over Antelope. What was his name? The the guru? Um, Osh. Osh. There's Because there's a follow-up on that documentary on YouTube and I started watching it, but I yeah, was they, too tired. Yeah, they, they call him a Japanese name, like Osh. Oshi. Yeah, Oshi, I think. Oshi or something like that, Sorry, which is so uh, on that show, it shows how he had a really good message. He really did. He preached peace, love and community. I mean, the community still thrives today, well and truly in European nations and Asian nations. there It is still continuing to this day. However, some of the people that he got involved with, and even himself, he got more about the status of being wealthy and powerful, and it just got so out of control. And that's the problem with a lot of things. That's even the problem that happened with Pablo Escobar. I mean, even though he was- Do you want to plug the Netflix series? Narcos. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he was doing terrible things by like trafficking cocaine all over the world, he started in a nice place where he thought, I want to look after my community. I want to look after the people. I want to, you know, steal from the rich and give to the poor and build in Medellin. I want to look after the the people. But after a period of time, 
that guy's ego got out of control and he just went mental. He was killing people. He was the same people he was saving. He was using them violently mm-hmm. um, to do what he did. And it, it, his ego just ran wild. It just went crazy. He saw himself as the president of Colombia and for a guy that was worth billions of dollars, he died with like pennies in his pockets with flip-flops and shorts on, on running along a rooftop. You know, it's just mad how he just, he managed to destroy himself. And effectively, that's what I see with people with big egos is they just get to such a point where it just becomes toxic and destructive. I suppose then I've kind of come to understand the answer to my own question is it's that positive feedback loop is what's dangerous, right? So the when you surround yourself by people who are telling, like feeding your ego, yeah. it'll yeah. just grow and yeah. grow and grow. Avicii, for example, his management drove him to suicide because they pushed him so hard. Like, you're the only one who can do this. Like, I'm sorry if I quote, misquote this, but my impression was that he was seen as a god in the DJ world and the pressure became so in- insane that he couldn't say, no, I need a break. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to really understand when you feed your ego too much and you know like in psychology we we there is a pathology behind it like you can have such a big ego that we can put a diagnosis to it at some stage and they are not nice people to live with they are hard people to have a family with you know they can be very destructive and i think that's the scope you're entering if you don't if you're not aware of your ego because i don't think many minds are built to hold that pressure so that's a good point aware of your ego so what I heard you say something before about like where you fit on the scale or is there a test you can take? Is there? I'm not sure if there's a test, but what but I see people who very often come because the feedback in their environment is like, you're really difficult to live with. It's all about you. You make me feel controlled. You minimize how I feel. It's all about your needs, but not my needs. So, you know, for instance, aggrandizing, really aggrandizing behavior can sometimes lead, lead to narcissism, mm-hmm. you know, and, and psychologists can diagnose narcissistic personality disorder. I'm not saying everyone who has an ego has narcissistic personality disorder, but that's kind of like the end scale. And even there you can have a lot. I think it's just important that we are aware of it because we all, you know, we we can also have a bit of a, we can swing on the scale and we have different topics. For example, in my friendship circle, they say, Bigot, you and dogs, you have an ego. You know, like you're very opinionated. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you tell me all the time what I'm doing and I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. But it's important that I listen, that I care about feedback. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing that we are, we will, you know, take feedback, be aware that you don't enter this loop. Yeah, so receive negative feedback appropriately rather than try and send it back. Yes, and I have put a couple of points down that we maybe couldn't discuss, mm-hmm. um, you know, how we can help ourselves in having a healthier community and keeping our ego in check. Do you want to hear about it? Sure, yes. yeah, definitely. So the, the main point is hopefully that we stop making it all about ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, so show interest in other people, detach, sometimes just curb your desire to be seen or be right all the time. When you feel that need for appreciation or being credited, just, you know, take a step back, just let it come and go. Like, you know, you can have that thought or that urge, but you don't need to react on it. Just kind of watch it um, and just chill. That could be one point. Another one is when people are being caught up in a big ego is that they're quite defensive. And I think in the dog industry, I, I find it so sad because, When we talk about training methods and tools, we very often have separation there. You know, we talk about separate communities and and all of that. And there it would be really important to acknowledge, hey, instead of me being defensive, 
I emphasize the things we actually have in common, which would be probably more than what we disagree on. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I talk about that all the time when people are arguing over like 1% of something in dogs and they're arguing over like it's a 1% thing. You're like, dude, you guys have the same fucking hobby. You spend like 99% of things you agree on and now you hate each other over 1%. Like that's insane. I don't understand why there is so much. Because, you know, for most people, dogs is a hobby anyway. So we've got the same hobby. We're hanging out. It's like stamp collectors hating each other. Like, or maybe that's a thing. I don't know. But like, you know what I mean? Like you're into the same thing. Why are you finding the thing that you can argue about and then hating someone over it? So I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just about, you know, that you just acknowledge it or say, hey, cool. Good to know. Wow. We don't always need to have an opinion about something. Sometimes we just listen. Mm-hmm. Another really good um, point is that we curb our self-righteous actions or judgment. An ego, remember, ego is an armor. An armor is there to defend or to, to protect. With that comes all sorts of defensive mechanisms. And just be aware that this is what you're doing. You know, just you can have an opinion, that's okay, but be mindful how you deliver it or what you do with that. Mm. Um, and it's really... It's, I think it's really helpful if we drive for results and learning in our community that we go like, hey, let's remember why we're here. We're here to dog nerd. We're here to learn. Let's drive for that. Let's drive for our passions, why we actually spend so much time here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, there are disagreements. So if you can't love someone or you can't be kind to someone, be respectful. That's the code of ethics, essentially, for every community. Be respectful. And the more you contribute to your community the better it will serve you and the rest because that's for a lot of us, the dog community is our chosen families. We're a very international community. We spend a lot of time with our dogs. Mm-hmm. And at the last seminar, there was, I think over the years, it, every seminar has become warmer and warmer and warmer and everyone's contributing in a different way. Some people bring in food, some people bring in music, some people bring in high five like Brent and Cat, you know. And I think that's the beautiful thing. Like in the end, you hang out. You, you're with your people. You're with your tribe. Mm. And we need a tribe in this day and age. We are so lonely. Like a lot of scientists like John Cassiopo talks that loneliness is the new um, the new disease, you know. It, it, is, it has such a big bad effect on our health. So it's really important that we stay connected. So, we, But that also means that you need to contribute to community. You can't just want community. You need to be part of a community. Yeah. yeah. That's probably a good point to discuss the importance. Like, Bertie, you, you brought up before about the importance of having uh, this tribal community. And I think it was Alyssa Rankin who came up to me and said those words almost to cue that we've got such a good community going, haven't we? And I said, you you know what? We actually have. Like these people that are coming to most of these seminars, they're the same people. Like you're talking about Alyssa and Brenton Cat and Dallas and her crew and the and Scotty and the canine crew. Lauren. Lauren Hoyle and her her guys or girls. Mm. Who else? There's just Mary. There's so many, like we all love there's them. There's so, so many, many of them, yeah. You can just go around and, and uh, Georgie Harrington starting to come on the scene and bit more and she wants cuddles she wants cuddles uh there's tons of them you know like if i haven't named you don't stress i know that you were there and i appreciate you for coming into it but some of that appreciation goes into the seminar hosts for their professionalism and their sense of community as well because they're very inclusive with people they create a good community they create a good online feeling as well because they're giving people material and not asking anything of it either so Mm -hmm. 
you know, look, for argument's sake, I've seen Tyler do some things online before he came out. And even after he came out, for free, he's giving away information. You talked about this the other day too, Pat, about the mm-hmm. box information. There's plenty of people I know for the last several months since we put up the the box, you know, the Mysteries of the Box uh, mm. episode. And ever since then, people have asked you the same question, which you've answered online multiple times and even in the forums, where you've given the dimensions, you've actually drawn them out and showed them to people. And people will still say, hey, do you have those dimensions of the box? Yeah. And that happened the other day, right? Someone emailed yeah. and I was like, I cannot fucking post that picture any more times. It's all over the internet. Like I cannot, <laughs> I, 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 I refuse anymore. I just say, nah, I'm not doing it. Like do some searching. At some point you, you have to stop spoon feeding people. Mm. That's okay. I did my head in. Honestly, the, the last time someone wanted to know the dimensions, I was like, nah, I'm not. I'm you not. wanted to put your head in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm finished. Again, to bring up my close personal friend, Jordan B. Peterson. Uh-huh. One of the things that resonated well in that book for me, and it should do for most people, is try and be a better person today than what you were yesterday. And it's when we talk about shaping and behavior, like when we're doing skills training with our dogs, we all know that we're doing it incrementally. Like we're only asking small steps forward at a time. We're not asking for giant steps. We're not asking for great feats. We're just saying just improve something slightly. And something that I've been trying to do lately as well is that I'm just trying to be a little bit better than what I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not massive things, just trying to tweak something and make it a little bit better than what I was. Like if I noticed I'm being lazy, I'm trying not to be. And it's good. It's not just the people around me, but it's important for me as well. But because it's important to me, it's going to be better for the people around me. It's going to make me feel better about me and it's going to make people more comfortable around me as well. I mentioned a while ago my disappointment at some of the communities who are being exclusive to people, like they're deliberately, and especially in the dog sport world. This is one Mm -hmm. thing where I think we need to get back on track, people. We need to realize we are a very small community. We're very vulnerable, very vulnerable to government influences and other external factors because we keep separating over the most ridiculous things. We really need to be much better than what we have been in the past. We need to start looking at being inclusive. We need to stop looking at blocking people for whatever reason. I mean, some of them are just so ridiculous, it's not even funny anymore. You need to start thinking about the fact that that is having not just an impact on the the people that you're trying to remove, it's having an impact on you eventually as well. Because again, I said this in a podcast not so long ago, Ben Franklin's famous quote, hang together or be hung separately. It will happen one day and you'll regret it. Maybe one day that big pop with your head flies out of your ass, you'll think to yourself, shit, I really should have contributed when I had the opportunity, when I had willing people around me that wanted to make that difference but didn't do it at the time. Please have a little think about that. I have been doing some soul searching. I have been doing some thinking about it. I'm not trying to be such an asshole to people that I have been in the past. I really am trying to make a difference. I encourage you to do the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to give a specific example on that. But first, I feel like with Birdie here and in front of how many thousand people are listening, dissect my own ego a little bit in that everybody has an ego. And I've been accused by people and dogs of having a like a check out the ego on this guy. And I don't think that I really have an overactive ego. I think like I certainly there's things I want to achieve. Um, and I've set those goals and I'm working towards those goals, but my goals are always, and this is, 
I've known this about myself for a long time. My goals are always about my goals. Like I, I always set goals that I can achieve regardless of whether other people do them as well. Do you like, know what I mean? Like your diet. Inter- yeah, but I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I do like to well, I'm on another crazy diet today. But so my goal in dogs is I want to get through the PSA program with my dog. And when I was doing that, there's only now, I think, 20 people or 21, maybe the other day, Jonathan Katz got his dog, that have got their dog through the whole program, right? So I want to set a goal for myself. My ego, I know that's an ego. That, that's 100% of my ego says this is I want to be one of the people that gets the dog through the whole program, through the level three. But that's that's okay. You're allowed to be a, have ambition. Yeah. Like I'm training with one of the best psychologists I can get my hands on because I want to master my skill. But a big ego hurts people on the way there. Yeah. Well, That's and the difference. So what I realized as well was that people have their, their position, like you're the 20th person to get that, right? The dog through the whole program. And I realized to myself that it was very important that I didn't say which number I wanted to be, right? Because I knew then that I just want to get there. And if if I want to say, like, if I be realistic and I extrapolate it out and I say, well, I want to be the 27th person to get my, just pick a number. I want to be the 27th person to get my dog all the way through that program. Or even to say, I want to be the first in Australia to do it, right? Then that, I, I'm not necessarily the, like, someone else has to fail for me to achieve that. And I, I realized in myself, I was like, that's not a, that's not a, a worthy goal to have. Because who knows, I could break my leg and not be able to compete for two years or whatever, and then I then, to achieve my goal, have to have to count on other people doing poorly. Of course, like, I, I decide whether there's trials on here in Australia or not, right? So, like, I'm in a position to influence that. So, it's important to me to never be in a position where my outcome that I'm striving for can be impacted by other people or should impact anybody else negatively. Exactly. So, it's, it's having this awareness, you know, that we don't – our actions are not – hindering other people because what we also need to keep in mind is like you know we um recently on the canine paradigm we talked a lot about the makeup of a dog you know breed specifics um constitution of a dog every ambitious great dog trainer will need a huge community to trial that dog Hmm. so we need to also have a really healthy good community Hmm. that you can actually achieve that yeah yeah and so like i and i don't i don't hide this from anyone i'm saying it here now in front of whoever people like i have a goal of what i want to achieve and i will fucking steamroll anyone that anybody that gets in the way of that goal but i've intentionally chosen a goal that no one should want to do that right like anybody who is doing that is going out of their way to try and stop me because I've chosen a goal that no one should, should, yes. should impact no one. So exactly. Negatively. So it's again that you look for intrinsic values, not extrinsic values. You only look at yourself and go like, how am I okay with how I set this up? Mm-hmm. But you know, it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to have boundaries. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to become a victim. You're allowed to, to say no or, or, you know, put a boundary up. That's cool. Mm. But it's more about the ego itself inflict it do you know what i mean like it's what you tell yourself what stories you buy into your head and and why you do it Mm. on my selection course so this is a long time ago like 2003 when i uh when i joined the army we spoke about in like i think the second episode episode or whatever i don't know if people went back that far uh i (laughs) so i i was never in the like the big army i was i did basic training school of infantry did like an advanced infantry course and then went straight on to selection for special forces you do this thing called the nat, like a NAVX, right? So it's a, it's it's one of the hardest parts of the course, 
I didn't realize how hard, certainly at the time, but now having instructed on many of them, I understand, is you just get a bunch of checkpoints. You get told, like, here's a grid reference, walk to there. There's a, a sign on that on a tree at that grid reference. You It tells you where to go to the next one. You radio in, right? So you're by yourself. You, you really, there's... It, what it is in the end is a, a test of motivation of the self, like because there's no one yelling at you, no one talks to you, you're totally by yourself. There's a there's a number of kilometers you have to reach in travel time, but you don't know what that is, so you just got to keep working. And there was a part of it where I had really hard time finding this um this piece of paper at the checkpoint. It wasn't in the right spot or something, and I was I was having a fucker of a time. And I remember sitting down. And it was maybe two days into it. You haven't really, you might cross paths with someone along the way and sort of swap a story with them, but it's, it's really up to you whether you do any good at this or not. And um, I sat down and I remember thinking, do I really want to do this? Like I thought, cause I thought, you know, this is pretty fucking shit. <laughs> and, and we've just had like 10 days of being yelled at and being treated like shit before we went on this Navex. And now I'm having a horrible time wandering around in circles looking for this thing. Oh, and I'd lost my pack. So that's what happened. I, I put my pack down. You're carrying all your gear. And I I knew that this, my pack was in the vicinity. Like, like I knew I was in the vicinity of this checkpoint. It could only be, you know, 50 meters each direction, but it's in thick country. I couldn't find it. So I put my pack down while I searched for it. And then I couldn't fucking find my pack. And I was like, Shit. man, this is bad. And I knew there's a road nearby and I can just walk to that road and sit there in a car will come past and I can quit and I'll, you know, find my back. And I sat down and I thought to myself, you know, do I really want to do this? Like, is this something, because I could just go back to work. I was an apprentice stonemason. I was like, I could just stop. Like, and, and I was thinking about, I've told everybody at my work about I'm going to join the army and I'm not coming back and I'm doing this. And then I thought, who gives a fuck what they think? <laughs> like I thought, I, I thought it'll be embarrassing when I get back to them. And I was like, but they don't know this shit. And I can show them that movie. I actually, this is my actual thought process. I thought I can show them that movie GI Jane because, like, that's a buds. You know, the um, the seal selection is not dissimilar. So I was like, I can show everybody knows how hard this shit is. There's no shame in having failed this. And I sat down and I thought it's probably an hour. I sat there. And I thought, no, I do want to do this. Like I, I do. This is, I've decided like this is what I do. And I actually found the selection course really easy after that. Like I was like, no, no, I'm getting through. Like I've decided this is me and I don't care what else is happening. So I'm good and I know myself at setting goals for myself and being able to like, okay, no, this is a real goal. This is not a hubris. This is like, I really want to achieve this. This is something I'm willing to work hard and do. Um, so that's why I kind of, I... I, I, that's how I keep my own ego in check. And I, I think that I'm on the right track with that. I, I Maybe I'm not, I don't know, but I feel like it's important to me that my goals are my own, that it, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. I've got to do it for me. And it's important that my goals can't negatively impact anybody else. Yeah. It's treating others fairly and kindly. It doesn't mean you have to become, um, you know, like that people are unkind to you. You're allowed to stand up for yourself, but in the end, a big ego Either you hurt yourself or others in the long run. And that's, you know, and you need people to keep you in check. Yeah, I think for sure that that's important, right? People that you trust that can go, hey, man, that's no, yeah. that's no good. And then to not be defensive and to not deflect it and go like, tell me more. Like, I'm listening. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's why we need a good community because we we have fantastic dogs and fantastic trainers here you know and we, the ego is something that we need it's, you're flirting with a big ego all the time if you're a driven person that's that's just part of it so you- it's very hard to train yourself it's one thing to talk about the acceptance of it it's very hard to train yourself out of it sometimes especially when it's been there and it's been in the background we were talking about it before when we were sitting in the kitchen just 
pre-podcast. And uh, I said to Pat and Bertie, you know, my own recollection of what an ego is, it's probably at some stage the most ugliest side of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you come face-to-face with that reality, it's like when people see a picture of themselves and they say, oh, God, I'd never want that posted online, you know, like people joke about it when they say when the front-facing camera takes a picture of you and you've got bags under your eyes and you look like shit and you're thinking, no, that's not the image I want people to see of myself. I want I want them to see one of those Instagram filters where I've got butterflies flying around me and my face is all smooth and I look beautiful and everything like that. That's the image that I want to sell to people. Well, the ego is the other one. The ego is the the most horrific side of yourself where it's basically the dark side of yourself. That's my analogy of it anyway. It's my interpretation of what I see the ego is. It's because sometimes when I see myself welling up the hatred and the and the jealousy I feel and stuff like that. I now identify it. I can feel it coming on when I've seen and heard people talking and I can feel that shadow looming over the top of myself. That's now the thing that I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to say, hey, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I can feel you coming. I can feel that. It's like the Hulk. You can feel him just tearing through you and just you know, shredding and you've, and the Hulk is so destructive and cause such calamity. And that's the way I feel when my ego comes in is that I just want to wreck the room. I feel so overpowered with unchecked emotion that I just want to do something stupid or say something stupid, but I have to stop myself. To be honest, I'm feeling much better for it. I'm feeling more at peace with myself that I'm not letting that monster come surging through me anymore. That's so good because... I think it, in, I'm not there yet, Bernie. No, no, I'm not that, there that's yet. what I was going to say. It's still there. Uh, this is not an all or nothing approach. This mm. will be a continuous challenge. Yeah. The more you are eager to learn, the more you surround yourself by people who feed you knowledge, the more probably you have temptation to have an ego. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's it's part of the the coin flip. You you have both. You have talent, and you also probably at some days you have more ego than other days. Yeah. But it's the definitely. awareness that. That we go like, hey, this is something I have to be mindful about. Yeah. And there's a story. Um, it's an old classic story, Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it reminded me, you know, the Instagram image, the thing of the that portrait we have. of yeah. Dorian Gray. Yeah, portrait mm. of Dorian Gray. It's I don't beautiful. know that. It's a beautiful. It's quite a short story. It's also a good movie with um Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. Have to check it out. I think on exactly what you're saying there. That's where really, and and I'll post that meme as soon as we're done this and tell people about it because it. I feel like that's the most important part is having friends that can cut you back down to, to and that you listen. Which Pat is very good at. Well, I <laughs> he calls you on your bullshit. <laughs> well, I do do it, and I like to have it done to me myself. And yep. like a lot of my mates, my like my best friends outside of dogs, they one of my mates actually had cards made for me called Gravity Solutions because I'll pull you back down to earth. And it had <laughs> it's got a photo, you know, the, um, you know the. Uh, Anchorman where he's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> so I call people on their bullshit all the time, but I'm, I'm willing to be called on mine as well all the time. I think it's really important. And, but you have to take that advice and not turn on people. Like you have to go, Oh, okay. Again, I, I don't want to, like, I know this is a dog podcast and I talk about army stuff a bit, but that happens in the army a lot as well. Guys get out and you, I learned something when I went to that course at Yale that the, your military background has to be an interesting part of your history. It can't be your whole history. And people who make it their whole history, they spool up and they they start to believe, you know, you might exaggerate something. or your biases. You, yeah, but you might tell a story and maybe you were there, but in the retelling of the story, you you weren't, right? It, or, sorry, it was you. You were there, but in the retelling of the story, you're, the, you're now the main character. 
and sometimes whatever, right? People do that, cool, whatever. You got the job that you wanted, rad, no problem. But then don't tell that same story back to me, right? Like, just remember, like, hey, I was there as well. Like, I know how it really went. You tell it however you need to tell it to make you happy, but fucking not to me, mm. right? Like, incredulously, I sat there um, and watched a guy tell, I think I told you about this one time, watched a guy tell a story that he was there for, but it was me. It It was fucking me that he was talking about and it told it was his story. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? Oh yeah, this time when we got blown up, my interpreter was killed. And I was like, that only happened. It's not like that happened numerous times. (laughs) It was me that it happened to. And you're telling the story in front of me. So I was like, hey, fucking cut it out. Like you tell that story to other people, however you want to tell, but you don't fucking tell it to me like that. Right. But, but, no hard feelings. It's just like you let yourself get away, right? And that happens to everybody. You, you in the retelling of things, well, you might the embellishment of a story makes it more juicy, doesn't yeah, it? Well, it adds more flavour and character to it. It's, but there's evidence on memory for that that it, you're not lying anymore. Like it, you, you it, believe it. Every it time becomes, you access a memory, it, you can change it and you put it back away, and it, you put it back away accurate, whether it is or not, right? And so it is. But it's also like we do know that telling your story is so important for mental health. Like um, at the moment, I'm talking a lot of people with their story about their dog and a lot of people thank me afterwards because like whoa i could really address an issue i did not know i had about Mm -hmm. this so telling a story is really important and that's why we also have to communicate sometimes listen but fair enough if i've been in that story don't tell it to me but you know it's it's about experiencing each other again and having this you need to have a bond to call someone out on something Mm -hmm. like if you don't communicate with them or even if it's just online I would never, like, if I wouldn't see Pat every now and then or Glenn every now and then outside or Norel, I would never go up and dare to tell you what I think. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't. So you you actually need to be quite close or a community at events that you can have that. Yeah. Well, I, that, I just think from this little therapy session that we've had on me, <laughs> I think that's the most important thing that I've taken away is that, like, and I know it and it's good to hear it again in that you have to have friends that will you listen to who who are happy to tell you, hey, like, wind it back a notch, right? And 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 when your friends do that, like, I think- Especially people that care about you. Yeah, that's right, right? And and I think that- And that comes from a place of love too. Yeah. yeah. That, that has to be kind and caringly done because yeah. it's that fine balance. Like, you, you know, you don't want to overcorrect the dog. You don't want to overcorrect your friends. Yeah, that's right. You <laughs> don't want to flatten constructive. Constructive feedback is seldom easy to receive, I feel no, like. You that's know what I mean. why I said before, you know, don't be defensive. Be open-minded. Even if you don't answer back, just let it sink in for a while. Mm. So all of that was the, the warm-up. So as you were saying, dog world divided is, is weak. On one of the recent pe- podcasts, just as a joke, but you called me out for not reading Uncle Bumula. <laughs> you said, don't lie, you've never read it. And it's true, I never have read it. Yeah. Um, but-, but the funny thing about that, I listened to that back and I laughed myself. And we, we you, you found the photo of Uncle Boomerla. For people who don't know, Bart Bellin, when he was on the show, told us that one of the, the books that kicked him up into dog training well, inspired that some of the techniques that he used, he read as a young kid called Uncle Boomerla and his seven dogs. Mm. Right? And we make these jokes about it. But I would argue... And I think fairly successfully that Bart Bellin is renowned as the best dog trainer on the planet. Right? So for sport dogs. For sport dogs. For whatever, yeah. But, well, as I say, we can argue that point, right? But yeah. that's my stance. And <laughs> Uncle Boomerla kicked him in, like kick-started yeah. that it, try, it was the right? <laughs> Now, it might be the funniest name for a book ever. <laughs> but that was the catalyst that started it. That started yeah. Bart Bellin. That was Bellin. ignition for yeah, Bart Bellin. Yeah, that was Bellin. ignition for Bart Bellin. Yeah. Right? 
Anyway, I, I laughed at that too. Like I've listened to that <laughs> episode when you're going, don't lie, you've never read it. <laughs> Classic Pat. We love him uh, for it. Yes, Pat is very honest about things that he sees. Like when he does see bullshit, he does vocalize it and say, yeah, that's bullshit. But it's, Im- I do. And, but I also. It's important to you. It's part of your character. Yeah. And, and I'm happy to have it done to me as well. Yeah. Like I, there's no hard Which feeling. Which is fair. So, so if anyone would like to call me out, go ahead. Right. Uh, Cause I, I take it. it like, and I try to be as honest as I can about everything that I can, but I'm aware that everybody has the ability to embellish and their ego can get away from them. And I'm, I'm more than happy to have mine checked. So something happened recently, which rattled your cage a bit and mine as well. Mm. I'm not going to lie. Both of us looked at it and thought, wow, that's actually not a little bit disappointing. It's extremely disappointing. What was it? We discussed here on the podcast when Jazz was on that me and her would, we wanted to do the Mondio decoy certification. Mm. So all of us were planning to go up. You, yeah, we spoke about a road trip. We you, had myself and Jazz. Yeah, we had uh, numerous people contact. We asked for someone to put us up. We had numerous people contact us and offer us to do that and threaten us with good times in Brisbane. So it was going to be this awesome trip. Mm. And I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to get there because of work commitments and then finally got all that sorted and and honestly actually made some sacrifices to be able to go there to do it. And I'd said that we wanted to both do the decoy certification because I thought that it was a good idea that uh, we in the PSA community support the Mondio guys. I feel like certifying as a decoy for them, I mean, I know how to decoy it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm amazing at it. I'm barely good, but I, I was confident I'd be able to pass their certification nobody's amazing at the start yeah that's the thing is that got to start somewhere and we've got a and this is a part of the network that we've got to start embracing each other on and start building that community so my intention was that then in the future they they didn't have to worry about supplying decoys i don't want to trial in mondio i want to trial in psa and so they wouldn't have to worry about sourcing decoys or the conflict of like we face in, in psa where when we had a trial, I'm competing in one level and decoying in another level, which is not a conflict. You can do that, but it's a pain in the ass for me. I'm running in and out of the suit in the same day and working the dog. It's not ideal. And so I was offering them the opportunity to do that in the hope that in the future they might do the same. And then said that I would like to just have, because it's their nationals and they've already got a decoy sorted for it, I would have a crack at the Mondio 1 while I'm there, at least do the mat, and then have a crack at the Mondio 1. And like in my head, that was all, that was... The dog world's trying to stick together, helping each other out. And then once I cleared the work schedules, I put in my application for Working Malamar Association and was refused. I'm not allowed to join Working Malamar Association. And the reason they gave me was because they follow the strict FCI FMBB rules. My dog doesn't have is doesn't have an FCI pedigree. He's got a BRN. Was this for the dog or for you? The application was for me, right? Not, not for the dog. So why were you rejected? That we don't know. And that's the disappointing part yeah. about it because somebody's playing well, games sucks. there. Yeah. It does suck. That's a political thing. Okay. Somebody has, I don't know who, but somebody in their, I'm not even going to call it their ultimate wisdom, but somebody has sat there and thought, I'm going to stop Pat from joining for my own reasons. And look, uh, or several people did it. And it, shame on you guys. Really. Discussed it. I've discussed it at length with a lot of people. I was actually pretty upset about it. I was angry to start with. And then I was quite upset because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to... It's coming from a good place. Yeah, like I have no, yeah. there's nothing, like like I said, I have a I have a, a strong desire to achieve something in the dog world and that's to get a level three on my dog. And that has nothing to do with anybody but me. Like, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking uprooting my family and taking them to America next year to try and achieve that, right? Like that's all my goal. Mm. And it, it upset me quite a bit. And like I, what are you going to do about this? And people told me there's all this legal action you could possibly take. Well, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to do absolutely nothing about it. 
we are trying to build mm. a sport of PSA and everybody is welcome at that. I know that there are certain people in the dog world that have no place being in it, okay? They really are the wrong type of person to be in it. They're so unchecked with reality that they're damaging to be involved in it. But when you do have genuine good people who really want to build on that community and do want to do the right thing and yet are still being thrown roadblocks purely because somebody's ego is unchecked, that resonates poorly in our community. It really is disconnecting on what we're trying to all achieve and connect on. So I'm not trying to be ethereal about this. I'm not trying to be unreal about it. What I'm trying to say is that in your own personal development on trying to be a better person, you can actually help build and bridge communities and make the community stronger, flourish much better and have better connections with people, better networking capabilities, better opportunities all around. And that's by doing things like this, this creates massive limitations, enormous. And it's kind of cruel. It's kind of cruel and stupid. Like I said, the goal is not to, as you say, to shame anyone. I just was quite upset and disheartened by it. And Mm. it, like, what can you do? That that's, that's you can't. That, There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I will do. It just um, hurts so much as well because, you know, you, the dark sport world is already under a lot of pressure. Yeah. So. And this is this is what's frustrated me and I've, I've said it about IPO, not on the podcast but certainly on my own Facebook page, about like we have in a sport with like 50 competitors, we've got three three organizations doing it and it just makes no sense to me. Like if you want to do things slightly differently, that's fine, but we're doing the same sort of thing. So let have one other club and everybody should just be, even if there's not organizational uh, cohesion, just interpersonal, there should be right. Like just don't try and fuck with me while I'm trying to do something that is, is got nothing to do with you. And like, let's try and help each other instead. And as I said, back then we're talking about decoys. There are so few people that first of all, can and second of all want to decoy unpaid like you don't get paid to trial decoy and i'm willing to travel to brisbane to do it like it just not only do you not get paid it's great personal expense to you to do it yourself exactly you know there's there's Mm. a lot of money and time and bruises that go into being a decoy and anybody who doesn't see I mean, look, it's nice to be recognised and it's nice to be given that accreditation, I guess, by the community when you are a good decoy and so forth. But, I mean, people don't see – it's like when you watch somebody doing parkour on TV and, or on a YouTube clip and you're watching them flying through buildings and jumping in. But those people have taken a lot of bruises and sprained a lot of ankles to get there to a point. You know, like you're seeing – you're not seeing the pain and the struggle that they actually had to go through to get there, the learning that took place. And it's the same thing when people are decoying. And if they're offering it to you – and it's coming from a good place, and you reject it, you got to stand back and have a good look at yourself for that. It's um, it is what it is. It is what it is, and we move on. But it, it just and I didn't want. <laughs> it wasn't the plan to bring it up, but it came when we full disclosure to everybody. We paused, went to figure out earlier what it was that was a catalyst for getting Birdie to want to come on, and it was something totally unrelated to this, and no nobody that we we're talking about now. And then you just said the other day that you were ready. Like, it's not like we've done this big stitch up for this. This has just sort of come together at the right time. And it, it, anyway, I'm just disappointed and upset about it. So, so that's that. And he, if you need the- some therapy, Bertie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pat needs some therapy. He's going to get. Leash hyper- pressure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say he's going to get a pat on the back. And I'm like, that really sucks, Pat. Like, I'm sorry. Um, and hopefully Ramco gives him a good cuddle. <laughs> The other thing, we mentioned it the other day, the leash pressure exercise we did. Oh, yeah. We're not going to talk about that? No. <laughs> no. How badly we did. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk right, online on the leash pressure exercise. Anyway, so that's all I wanted to say about that. 
no big deal. We move on, but it's just a little bit disappointing. So, Bertie. Pat. <laughs> let's tie it all up in a bow for everybody. The conclusion of it, like we've talked around ego and personalities and journeys and disappointments and so forth. How do we how do we bring it all together? What's what's a cl- good closing message for people to let them have a little think about the concept of what we've been talking about? I think the main thing is that, you know, we just focus on the greater good for us all. That doesn't mean that we can't put boundaries up or that we have to disagree, but we are all on our journey. Some of us will have more ego than others, but it's okay to reach out to each other and say, hey, is that really what you intended or is that just a heat in the moment thing? You know, like sometimes it's nice to just give someone a time to cool off if we saw someone having a bit of an ego moment and just check in with them and just also be kind to people because you don't know what happens for them that day. Like for instance, I know my ego gets more activated the more pressure I have in my own life. Like it's a way of building control in some form of ways for me. Mm. So I think it's just kindness is underlying, kindness and respect and just be there in the community and, you know, make make build our tribe and help us build a healthy tribe that we can have leaders, but they, they don't forget the rest of us. Interesting mm-hmm. thing talking on that, Bertie, is that I don't think some people actually recognize it in themselves yet. They haven't actually had the discipline or the maturity to sit back and see it. So you might think, damn, you've got a unhealthy ego, like you're pretty much running away with it. But some people don't actually recognize it. Like I've yeah, I've mentioned it to people, you know, like your behavior is out of control. And they, they look at you like, really? Oh, it's what so are you hard. About? It's so hard. Like even in therapy, when someone has a very, very pathological big ego, they have really hard to engage in therapy because it just feels so good to them. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's such a self-rewarding behavior that it takes a lot of pressure from usually their social environment to change it or they, yeah. they barely flop hard, like they, they lose jobs or like big impacts. Yeah, you need to, hear it in a, need to hear it in a way that is confronting a bit, right? Like hear it from someone that you trust or have an, an action that, you're, that you've undertaken fall apart. Yeah, like and usually it has to be a series of things. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is hard one, but, you know, that's what we talk about pathological things. But in our community, when someone just has a flare-up, I think it's enough when people go like, hey, how are you feeling, man? Like, or you? Like, you know, egos usually come up when you have a shit time too. <laughs> so, mm. depends. Tyler recommends a book that he mentioned in his podcast as well, which I haven't read and I have the intention of at some stage called Ego is the Enemy. Yeah, mm. so, I got it. I can give it to you. Cool. Have you read it? I did, but I was high on payments after my operation, so I can't remember much of shit free. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to read it. It sounds interesting, so I'd like to give it a go and just see what the message in there is. Yeah, we seem to talk a lot about books, and I hardly get to read. I get jealous every time we sort of t- someone mentions a book, and I'm like, oh, I'll get on. You should do that. a book club. I'm on a Audible. Book club, we should. Yeah, I'm on Audible. So I'm I'm listening to Audible books while I'm driving around the car and. Any chapters that I'm sort of vague on, I just go back and skip back to them. So mm-hmm. it works for me. It's actually, I'm able to digest it. And if I feel myself phasing out, again, I just pause it, take it back to the start and start listening to it again. So yeah. I'm able to retain quite a bit. I listened to um, uh, The 12 Rules of Life through Audible. And yeah. yeah, it was great. I've listened to it, uh, certain chapters, probably three, four times in a row because I just thought that really resonated well for me. And I needed to listen to it again and again and again to get the message properly, what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if, you, if you're not good at sitting down and flicking pages, that's a very good choice. Bertie, anything mm-hmm. else? 
No, just, you know, be kind to each other and yourself. And when, you, when, you, when your ego comes out, go like, why is it coming up? Why is my armor coming up? Why is my hug coming up? Why is my inner bitch coming out? <laughs> like, what do, why do I need to prove myself? Why do I need that? Like, step aside, just check in with yourself. Cool. And be kind because that's the most medicine, the biggest medicine for the ego. Yeah. To yourself, awareness. As my close personal friend, The Rock, says, <laughs> it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Exactly. Oh, I thought you were going to go with a Dr. Dog quote. No, no. Dr. Dog got quoted already. He's, he's done. <laughs> no, The Rock says that. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Yeah. All right. That's hey, nice. thank you for coming on. It's always Love a pleasure. Thanks, uh, guys. It makes us seem way, way more professional than we really are to have someone with real qualifications in the room. Glenn has real qualifications. I, I have nothing. <laughs> You're just trialing your dog for three level three PSA down well, the track. I'm not trialing, yeah, down the track. <laughs> down the track, but that's it. That's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you're hearing, jump onto whatever subscription service you download us from. Like, rate, share, subscribe. Tell a friend. All that helps uh, spread the word. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that via Facebook's the best way. We are the Canine Paradigm there. There's a Canine Paradigm discussion group and something happened like pretty cool a couple of days ago. There was actually some pretty good discussion. So it's kind of a bit funny with the podcast. We do it because we like it and it's fun to do and we have a good time. But it's it's kind of... It's a one-way street a fair bit, right? Like we're the only ones here with microphone and people get to come on who we invite. So on that topic, if you would like to be on the show, if you've got something to say, if you don't agree with something we're saying, like shoot us a message and we'd love to, to get you in here and, and, and talk about it. Mm. Uh, but also we have that forum where you're welcome to, to have a discussion. And, and it was cool the other day, just a guy. Yeah, Matthias. Yeah, awesome. Matthias. Yeah he, yeah, he he posted something saying that he thought that on our podcast one week and then on um, – the dog training conversations. Dog training conversations. There was conflicting information from me and Jay, uh, and it wasn't. And we got to the bottom of that, and it was cool to do that. It, it and a few people got involved along the way, and some extra things got explained. But it felt cool to me because we sort of. I noticed when before I did a podcast, when people ask for feedback on a podcast, it feels like people just want to be pat on the back, you know. But it's not that at all. It's because you're you're talking to an audience you can't see, and so it's nice to. Get some real-time feedback. Get some actual feedback, yeah. Mm. And and not just like, hey, you're doing a good job, but like, hey, like you're only – technical stuff. Hey, I can only hear you through my left channel or I don't agree with this. But explain why. And it, it's good to promote the conversation in that way rather than it being a one-way conversation. If you don't know how to get on that, that forum page itself, if you go to our main Facebook page – at the top, it says view forum or something like that. Like there's a button that you can actually press and then you can become a member of the forum. We don't talk in there a lot, but I think I'd like to start, as Pat said, I'd like to start seeing yeah. that more activated. And I don't think we need to as much. I think like, cause what, what I thought was really cool about that was loads of other people answer questions. I was out training a dog when I saw it. And so it was, you know, 40 minutes or so it was up before I got an, an opportunity to respond. Yep. And when I went to respond, numerous people had already. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And I, you know, I, I learned so much. Like it was a really good good, constructive, kind, polite conversation. Like it was beautiful how people just yeah, shared the knowledge. It was, it was good. I was really happy with it. That's why I bring it up. And also it felt a little bit like he was trying to bait me into a fight with Jay, which I, as I said in there, only consent to do from a kilometre away with a high-powered rifle. <laughs> <laughs> and even then I'm only going to fire a warning shot because Jay's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. Glenn, music please. <laughs>